Hey mates, welcome to another episode of Hughes Interviews. I have uh, as my guest today, Mia Dabkowski-Chandler, who is currently one of the stars of Jersey Boys. Welcome Mia, thanks for joining me. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mia is about to enter her final week of Jersey Boys. Um, so we're going to hear a bit about her journey through that show and also how she got into it all. But let's just start with Jersey Boys. So... One week left. How are you feeling about it? Super sad. Yeah. It's sad. It's all coming to an end. Um, but it's an awesome show, and I think it's it's a great story as well. It doesn't fit into the times at the moment, I think. Mm. But I'm so happy that I've had the chance to do it because I didn't know if I was ever going to come back to Australia. So it's a bit sad. And I've got really good friends there too, so it's a bit like you're leaving your friends. Yeah. But um, I'm just glad I've had the opportunity to do it. Great. And and what was your, uh, because you play Lorraine. Yep. And what was, so what's your favorite aspect about the show? Um, is it, is it Lorraine's role? Yeah. Um, oh, it's a few things, but Lorraine specifically for me, I find that she's kind of the voice of reason within the show, despite not having, um, a lot of scenes and a lot of big moments in the show. She, when I first read the script, she really strikes me as a woman who's different of her time Mm. as in, and that's what the director really um, encouraged me to continue with the idea of that she is a woman working in a man's industry and she is the one that cr- creates the change for women to start doing men's work and men's jobs and really putting herself first and not kind of doing the stereotypical woman's job of that era. Mm. So, and I find that really inspiring in today's world as well. Mm. But you know, aspects of the show that I love as well is just all the stylistic costumes and the little fun girly roles you get to play. And the dancing. And the dancing. There's not a lot of dancing. Mm. Um, but more stylized movement. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, step clicks, and so it's really fun to get that groove because it's a groove, yeah. really. And so that's nice because it's not, like, technical, so I can just feel good about it. Yeah. You can kind of just perform through it rather than thinking about... Am I yeah, because like in the finale, <laughs> in the finale when we're like step clicking, you can see people in the audience kind of trying, when they're sitting, yeah. trying to emulate it a bit. <laughs> so it's really nice. What's the, um, what's the funniest or most ridiculous thing that's happened in the audience during... In the, the audience, run? oh. Or, an audience, or something an audience member has done. Like you, you heard in, on Broadway... Uh, at, I think it was hand or act of God or hand to God or something. An audience member got up and tried to put their phone charger in the prop set wall oh to charge God. their phone during a show. Are you so serious? I'm guessing nothing that extravagant <gasps> has happened, That's but so <laughs> oh my has God. anything silly or ridiculous happened in your run? We've had some very drunk audience members, like a lot of bachelorette parties have come to our shows, <laughs> right. um, typically in Sydney. And so they're just wild and they're crazy. Yeah. I had a group of school friends that came last week. So imagine eight 24-year-old women who, (laughs) you know, rarely go to the theatre, have only really been to the theatre to see me perform in the last few years. Mm. And so any time that I had to kiss a boy, say something that was remotely sexual or do anything that was a bit... Risky. Risky. They would hoot and cheer and it just... (laughs) it It became a show of like oh no, I know this is going to happen and just bracing myself for the mm. moment where I hear them all scream. So, so to get to, to keep your performance going through that, did you focus more on the other person on yeah, stage? Yeah, absolutely. Or? I had to focus on them and really be in the moment because um, <laughs> otherwise I just giggle. I'm so bad. I always giggle. But um, well, that's not normally the reaction you'd be getting to, yeah. to kissing but, someone. But, you know, the, 
throughout the show, you get so many different reactions from audience members mm. because, you know, typically in Oh What A Night, people are really, I think, not shocked, but they go, oh, it's happening. We're mm. seeing this. And so, but it's also kind of cute. I think the script's really cute in that mm. scene. Um, but yeah, no, we just have crazy audience members. No one's ever tried to charge their phone. <laughs> um, That's a pretty extreme example. Yeah. We've had some people during kissing scenes go, oh, come on, enough now. Like, like <laughs> talk, try to talk to the actors out loud. Oh um, like during Mary Delgado and Frankie's first kiss, there was an audience member. I think she must have been like a grandma. And she, was, she literally said that. Oh so God. Christina came off in tears because it was so funny. Oh, but, no. Yeah. That would have been classic. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. um, great. So, well, still on the, on the topic of Jersey Boys, um, do you want to tell me maybe about the audition process for it and then maybe the rehearsal process? Yeah. Because um, we'll, get, we'll get into it, but it was a, a rather different experience, I'm guessing, from the whole the Aladdin uh, yeah. experience for you. So Jersey Boys, I, like everyone else, we all went in and we sung and read first. So mm-hmm. I sung my own song and then I read some of the Lorraine scenes and then we came back for a dance call, I think the next day or maybe a couple of days later. And then there was another cut and then we did another dance round. And then um, there was like a v- group vocal harmony call. And then if you got through all that, then you had to come back for the finals and you had to read all the scenes and sing your song again. So, and this was at the time when I was on Aladdin. So I was having to duck and weave between rehearsals and shows to make time. Um, But yeah, in the finals, when I read all the scenes, it was actually a really positive experience because Richard Hester, who's the associate director, he's awesome and he's so lovely and he's, he wants the best out of everyone. And so, you know, I was in the room for about 40 minutes and I only had five scenes to read, but he would just give you so much feedback and so much direction and sit down with you. And I remember he sat down with me for 10 minutes just talking about Lorraine in real life Mm. and how her character was developed from two real-life women um, morphed together. And so, you know, and stories about Frankie and actually how Richard and Frankie have interacted in the past years. So he really cared and it was really... It kind of felt like a workshop, the finals... Mm. Um, so I had a really positive experience at the end of the day I thought if I don't get this or not I've had a great time mm. and I've learned a lot about my acting and you know what's required of a show and stuff as well so mm. it was actually really nice I enjoyed the Jersey Boys process great so that kind of stripped all the nerves out of it yeah, that workshopping yeah. process yeah absolutely amazing and was the rehearsal process quick how, how was the that? rehearsal process I think was six weeks in Sydney um, and I think the four boys started a week prior to that And you pretty much just, like, you do a table read, you go through the show, you have sessions with the director and the choreographer on certain scenes, and, and yeah, it kind of, you snap your fingers and then you're at tech and then you're at opening and it all goes really quickly. But for me, the rehearsal process was a bit nerving because I'm not used to being actually on the floor and making decisions because as a swing, I was always sitting at the table. So I was a bit nervous this time, but it was really... Everyone, it's such a welcoming environment. Everyone's because everyone's in the same position, and everyone wants the best out of the show and your work and stuff. So, yeah, it was nice. Great. Well, let's delve back into what got it all started for you, I guess. Now, um, I think you have a pretty unique uh, entry into performing, uh, one that I have certainly haven't heard before. Um, mm. So, what got you into? singing acting and dancing and all of that well as i said to you like before <laughs> i think it stems from my polish 
culture and heritage and nationality because as a child my mum was heavily involved in Polish folk dancing and so I actually started doing that before I ever went to ballet, jazz or tap. Um, so I've always been surrounded by music and dance and theatre kind of all my life but it wasn't really until I went to VCA that I made the decision that yeah I'm going to give this a red hot go mm. and commit and work hard and see what happens but yeah I, I have to bring it down to being Polish so thank you Poland <laughs> for your heritage and cultural dancing yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I don't really know what Polish cultural dancing is can you describe it for me oh it's just I should show you like a YouTube video but it's basically <laughs> like you, the girls have long plaits in their hair and flower reefs and you wear these long skirts with petticoats and aprons and these vests with sequins and a puffer sleeve top and stuff and you just do Polish folk dancing with partner work and that's also where I learned a lot of like my dancing skills but a lot and like you sing in Polish and you there's a lot of jumping there's a lot of skipping there's a lot of waltzing um, there's one dance called the polka mm. and it's really famous in Poland I don't really know how to describe it you kind of have to watch it because it's an experience it really is an experience um, but it's really awesome it sounds awesome I think folk dancing is awesome sounds energetic yeah. and lively and oh yeah and there's so much love and everyone who does it loves it amazing well yeah. I'll definitely have to YouTube it after this <laughs> um, so then going on to that yeah, you, you, I mean it's fair to say dancing is definitely one of your strengths um, so did you do lots of classes and all of yeah, that yeah before VCA I went to Patrick Studios Australia and I was in their senior elite program so I went um, three times a week on Mondays, Wednesdays after school and then all day Saturday. So I had a really good dance background before I went to VCA and I'm really thankful and grateful for that. Mm. Um, but yeah, cause dancing was probably one of the main things that I kind of focused on when I was younger before I ever got into acting or singing. I think singing probably, you know, also developed through the Polish folk dancing and that singing. My grandpa, who I unfortunately never met because he passed away before I was born, was um, an opera singer as well. Oh, amazing. So I think it kind of might run in the family a little bit, although I don't know if my mum and dad could sing. They've never <laughs> sung for me, so... <laughs> my mum can, and she is tone deaf, so... We oh. she <laughs> Love you, mum. Oh. Um, great. So, yeah, then, uh, obviously, so you went straight from high school to VCA, essentially. Yeah. In fact, I think you told me that you got the phone call... Uh, your phone acceptance phone call on your birthday. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit about, about yeah. that? Oh, basically, I was just at home and we were having some family friends over for my birthday because it was my 18th. Mm. And I'd done the VC audition, I think, a few days prior to that. And yeah, and there was a missed call on our home phone line, and mum recognised the number and she was like, I think you should go call it back. Because usually she would never let me leave <laughs> our family to go take a phone call. So yeah. I thought, oh, this is serious. <laughs> Mm. And anyway, just ran upstairs and yeah, it was a voicemail from Margo offering me a place in the 2015 graduation class and it was awesome. It was the best birthday present ever. Yeah. Mm. It was really hard to top that. Put a lot <laughs> of pressure on your parents. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, wonderful. So uh, let's talk about a bit of, of your VCA experience then. Um, any, any like foundation or foundational uh, experiences or something that you said that it wasn't until you got to VCA that you decided you wanted to make a career out of? Yeah. So maybe what brought that about? I think the fact that only 20 people get in per year level, mm. your spot is very special. And I'm the type of person that I always have a sense of 
guilt as in if I have been offered something and I'm not getting the most out of it that I can and giving all of myself to it I feel a bit guilty so as soon as I went there I went no me this is a great opportunity put everything you can into it Mm. and then in doing that I found out how much I loved it and you know how much there was to learn and know more about Mm. what we all do and you also met some of your yeah I met some of my best friends there yeah absolutely absolutely because you as a group of 20 you all go through so much together so many ups and downs that you know you kind of become family and there's this intrinsic core that's connected between all of us that you know we're all over the the world doing what we love Mm. but we always have that connection of VCA and our year level and in particular I think our year level was very special because we all we all got along really well and we all meshed together and we were so cohesive and so I had a really special experience with our year Mm. um yeah I mean probably the 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 thing that you learned the most I think you mentioned was Uh, to trust your instincts yeah so that's probably the biggest takeaway from it yeah i also think that um sometimes when we go to these really established schools it's set in our minds that there's a specific way to achieve what you want to achieve and you know not that there's like one acting method that you know rules them all you gotta take bits and pieces i think what makes us individual people and individual actors that makes us more exciting mm. and memorable as human beings is our own personal instincts and that was the one thing I learned after I left actually mm. that to really trust to that. really trust your instincts because that's what sets you aside from everyone else and that's also what makes you you mm. and there's no point going into an audition or going into a school trying to emulate someone in another year level or emulate someone in the industry just so you, you think that mm. You can get work that way. Cause because they're going to get the work and you're going to let Yeah, because that's them and you yeah. need to be you. And I think going to BCA, it it taught me so much technique and it taught me so much foundation and, you know, work etiquette and professionalism and actual vocal technique and dance technique and different acting methods. Mm. But the one thing that I really took out of it was trust your instincts as Mia because that's what works for you. Yeah. And, and don't try and be like, well. don't try and be like Talia or don't mm. try and be like Bronte, who are two of my best friends. Like, you know, be me. Mm. And that's what I've ever done since I've graduated. And I've been really happy about that. Well, it seems to have been a really important lesson to learn. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, now, I guess moving on to your professional career. Mm. So you got pretty swiftly into a major show, uh, Aladdin. Do you want to tell us about yeah. that experience? Well, originally I was never given a time. Yeah. So it was a shock to me that how it all ended up happening. Well, for those who don't know, Mia is a tall, blonde... <laughs> I'm the most Aussie-looking girl you'll ever meet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so basically we were still in third year at BCA mm. and it was around showcase time when we were all submitting for it because the brief had come out and then obviously I submitted and I didn't get a time because I'm blonde and, you know, Australian looking. And so I kind of just left it because I was like, yeah, that's not right for me. And then I signed with my agent and then the casting director had reached out to him asking to see some new people that they'd recently signed. So they brought me up and then the casting director said, "Um, if you can make her headshot look a little bit more, you know, Eastern... European mm. or Arabian mm. um, do that. So they pretty much just photoshopped my hair colour to be a bit brown. And then I got a time. So It worked. It worked. Magic. <laughs> and then, so I went in and I hadn't dyed my hair. I was still blonde and everything. And uh, they wanted me to fly to Sydney. Mm. And I said to my mum, she'll quote this, 
that I didn't want to have to spend $450 on a return flight to Sydney for an audition that I knew I was not appropriate for. I'd rather spend that money doing class in Melbourne and continuing my skills and everything. And mum paid for it because she was like, no, you should go for experience and it'll be fun and you can go see a sister who lives in Sydney. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. So thank you, mum, for paying for it because mm. she pretty much got my career for me. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we did the audition and then and I met a girl there who I ended up being in the show with and her name's Chaska and she's also one of my best friends today. So we both went through the same experience with Aladdin. Um, so then, yeah, at the end of that first round audition in Sydney, the casting director pulled me aside and just said, if you were willing to dye your hair really dark brown, um, you can come back for the finals. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. That's totally fine. And so then I was back in Melbourne on the way from the airport. My dad had picked me up and then Ian White, my agent, called me saying, um, so they want you back for the finals. You need to turn around and go back to the airport. <laughs> so then I flew back and then I was in Sydney and I was up at the hotel they put us up in. And one of my other best friends, Hannah McInerney, she was in the hotel with room with me till about 1am and we were in the shower dyeing my hair with three different... <laughs> packets from Priceline or whatever it was oh and so then also the next day the finals I had like brown sweat oh, no. like going down my neck because it was I obviously, obviously hadn't washed it enough and it was yeah. kind of seeping out so I looked a bit gross but anyway so I did the final with the dark brown hair and then a day later I got the call Amazing. so it That's all a, happened really quickly it all happened within a week it's a really quick turnaround yes yeah, so I just I had a very different experience to what um, a lot of other people in the company had um, and I guess I was just really lucky because mm. you fit a puzzle. And so I guess I was just right at the time. Yeah, there's so much going on that performers never really know about yeah. in terms of casting. Um, now, uh, so you got offered the role of swing. Yeah. And which is a position we don't learn about uh, at BCA. We don't, they, I think they're implementing it now. Yeah. Um, but talk to me about learning how to be a swing. Oh, it was hard. And... I'm so grateful for the swing team that I had because without them, I think I would have failed miserably. So there were some more uh, experienced swings? Yeah, so I had Nick Eaton and Madeline McKenzie as my dance captains and swings and they'd obviously done it before as well. And they were all, they've also, also done a few other shows. Mm. So it being my first professional production, I really took under their wing their advice and everything because I probably would have failed. <laughs> Um, and then there was also Dion Bilios and Joseph O'Sullivan and they, as a team, we became like this family and they really looked after me. Um, you know, and there are, there are, there are days where you just, you're so stressed and you're so nervous and it's great to have that swing team there being like, no, this is your job. You sign that contract. It's fine. No one's perfect. Do the, do your best. Mm. Um, but what did I say? I told you, I remember telling you once that I've forgotten. It'll come to Mm. me. Okay, then um, the first time you went on. Yeah, now you've sparked it. (laughs) So the first time you go on is always going to be the track that you know the least. And so during the rehearsal process, we were both given four tracks each Mm. just to learn for the meantime. And then after we've opened, you kind of start to learn the other four. So then you both know all of them. Mm. And so obviously the very first time that Mackenzie and I both went on was the day after opening and it was both for plots that we both hadn't looked at. So I think that's, I think that's a lot of swings experience. So mm-hmm. like you're always on for the one that you know the least. And someone told me that when I started rehearsals, I remember someone being like, you're going to go on for the plot that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And it happened like that. But my mum was in the audience. So I was feeling a lot of love and mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of mistakes that go along with it. But as long as you don't hurt yourself and you don't hurt the people around you and you have fun, um, I think that's all that matters. Great. 
And oh, wow, that sounds like full on. Though. So, <laughs> how did you get through it if you hadn't really done it before? Just a good memory, or? Um, I naturally have a good memory, and it comes from, comes from 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 playing, playing in the game memory with my dad when I was a kid. You know the game where you have like all the stickers face down, mm. and you have to lift them up trying to find matches. Yeah. So my dad and I would play that for hours because I found it really fun, and I think because I was good at it, I also wanted to keep playing. Keep playing it. But I was really good at just remembering where things mm. were, and I also think having a strong back, dance background, especially if you have a good eye for form. Lines. Yeah, you have a good eye for formations and spatial awareness, knowing mm. where people are in your peripheral. So that would have really helped, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In a big show like that, where there's so many patterns in dancing and everyone's going crazy moving around, because the big numbers in the show were the easiest to learn for every plot. The one number that's the hardest is one jump, mm. which happens, which is the second ensemble number in the show, because every single person is doing something completely different, and a lot of us running from you know, prompts to OP with different props and different wings and dodging different people. So literally every plot was different. And that was the one part of the show that I always had to, no matter if I'd done the plot five times that week, mm. I would always, before every show, be like, just check that one number. Cause if you got the wrong ring, you're going to kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're running in and out. Yeah. And yeah, you know, yeah, it's insane, but swinging is really important. And I think everyone should do it at least once in their life. Mm. Um, just, just to have an understanding and an appreciation you know, and an appreciation um, but also like it's a huge skill that's becoming more and more prominent in the industry that I've noticed because mm. I have more and more friends that have been cast as swings and coming from VCA we kind of never learned mm. you learn how to understudy a lead mm. but you never learned how to cover eight ensemble plots um, and the associated quick changes which are also all independent of that person oh god so <laughs> It just keeps multiplying the yeah. more you think about it. But it's really it. thrilling and you feel such a sense of accomplishment when you go on for a plot and you don't hurt anyone <laughs> and you do it well. Like, it's it's really rewarding and I learned so much, so much. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about uh, maybe not the onstage aspect of it, but this was your first big move away from home yeah. going over to Sydney how did you how did you find that how was the tour life style I, guess? I love the tour life yeah um so my sister lives in Sydney so it was actually okay because I kind of had family there mm. but I really enjoyed it because you know it was actually at a time in my life where I was going through a bit of heartbreak so getting away from Melbourne and starting fresh and having a new project to put all my energy and mind into was really good for me um and I, yeah, I really do enjoy the tour life, actually. I mean, I love being home. Mm. I love it. But Sydney kind of feels like home away from home anyway, because I've got so many connections there now. Mm. Um, at the time, though, when you're in company comp, it's really lush. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, this is heaven. Um, but, yeah, because you create a little tour family as well for people who are not from that state. Mm. Um, tour orphans. <laughs> yeah, tour orphans. And you have little like Christmas dinners and Easter oh, stuff. Yeah, it's nice. That's amazing. Yeah, it's nice. Great. And, um, uh, you know, I guess, did you do any exploring while you were over there, discover more about the state when you had your, few, your rare days off? Oh, yeah. And you know what, though? As a swing, you're always in rehearsals. Mm. So you're one day off a week, you just want to chill and mm. you just want to not think about anything. But, you know, I would always be at the beach in Sydney. But it wasn't until I was in Sydney with Jersey Boys that I finally went to the Blue Mountains. Because mm. that's something I've wanted to do for years. But, you know, in the ten months that I was in Sydney with Aladdin, I didn't do it. But in the four months I was there with Jersey Boys, I did. So, <laughs> yeah. thank God it's happened. You got it ticked off got the bucket list. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, one the last one one of the last questions I wanted to ask was um, uh, the differences between leaving a show and finishing a show. Is there something oh, quite yeah. quite different in so, terms of the way you see yeah. it? Yeah, because I've left Aladdin and it's still going. It's still going. It will it's the show that keep will going. keep going. Because <laughs> um, yeah, they're about to open in Adelaide, so yeah. it's it's not. It's actually nice because you still feel. It, a connection to the company mm. and because your friends are still doing it you still kind of know what's going on and you know not that not that it affects my life but it's nice to know that the show's still doing really well mm. and that you're, the plot that I've left is being honoured by someone who's really talented and you know it's it's just nice because I would like to go see the show again because I'm sure it's changed so much with the huge cast changes that have happened over the time that I've left so mm. and also I think working for Disney, there's such... They say once you've worked for Disney, you're part of the family. Mm. That's what they said to us on the first day. So, you know, I'm always still in touch with the creatives and some of the company management that... I mean, when you're working with a company for so long, for two years, Mm. you know, there's a relationship that can't be broken there. So, But it'll be very different now because Jersey Boys is actually finishing. I'm not leaving it. So. I think it'd be sad because it's the end of this whole production mm. in Australia. Um, but because it's something you have to figure I out. I guess I'll experience it within the next week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mia, thank you so much for giving up some of your precious morning before <laughs> <No>. before uh, <laughs> oh. to the show day. I uh, really appreciate it. I'm coming along to see it this week, and I Yay. cannot wait. Um, so, uh, if anyone who's listening to this straight away, there's one week left of it. Get along and see Mia rock her role. Um, thanks so much. Took us for the rest of the season, I guess. Thank you. Um, everyone listening at home, uh, if you could leave a comment, rate, uh, uh, subscribe, tell your friends about it. It helps me reach a wider audience and uh, we can get the, out the good word about Australian creatives. So, until next time, guys, thanks for listening.